This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a weekly podcast bringing you an interview you probably won't hear anywhere else. And this next guest, she is someone we've talked to before. She's talked a lot about closing the wealth gap. And she recently gave a TED Talk earlier this month. It's all about really talking to corporations to offer respect, dignity, and a living wage to everyone who works for them. Starting with the company that bears her name, Abigail Disney. She's a documentary filmmaker at Fork Films. She talked to us about a worker-first era that she hopes is dawning. I think there needs to be a a kind of a mindset reset. Um, Because I think that most of the people running companies right now were in business school maybe 25 years ago. They're only doing what they were sort of taught to do, which is to maximize shareholder value, squeeze every penny out of the the structure of the company that they possibly could. And that has squeezed workers dramatically. And it's so interesting to watch right now as we talk about, for instance, I just heard a piece today about who's the front-line worker. When we get the sex scene, who do we include as the front-line worker? And they were saying, of course, the people who clean the floors, the people who clean up the rooms when the people leave hospitals are frontline workers because they're just as important as the doctors and the nurses. So, we, you know, we have for a long time kind of pretended as though those were sort of nameless, faceless, interchangeable people who didn't really deserve a livable wage. We need to completely reset our sensibilities about that. If we're not willing to clean the toilets ourselves, but somebody's got to do it for us, and we can't run a business without And so where does this conversation not just start, Abigail, but where where does it need to continue? Because I feel like there's more and more lip service being paid to this, but what does action yes. look like? Yes, that's really the, that's the question of all questions. I hope and pray, um, and I'm putting a lot of faith in the basic goodness of the people who run companies and the CEOs and the board members. I am hoping that if you appeal enough to their consciences, that they will start to feel a discomfort with the way things are. Because the clear, clear fact of the matter is, right now, what we do is not morally decent. Well, and you know, it is interesting because I do think... There are a lot of CEOs that we have talked to that seem to be more understanding of their employee base and more sympathetic to the plights of those that are just barely, you know, getting by at this point. But I do wonder, as long as there is still kind of news organizations like ours that, you know, track companies Mm -hmm. and we watch those quarterly earnings and there's investors in the marketplace, activists or others like yourself, you know, who will put pressure on companies, um, activists in other ways to make sure that they can financially, you know, kind of do as much as they can. I mean, I don't know. How does it really get much better? Especially when you look at the gap sometimes between what a CEO is paid and what kind of the bulk of workers are paid at companies. Right, right. And that, you know, that is, that is such a, a, a great temperature gaze, a barometer of, of what's going on in the company. Because I, I frankly feel like if I'm taking home, you know, many thousands of times what my medium worker takes, I am going to have a hard time sleeping at night if I also know at the same time I'm profitable and many of my workers can't put food on the table. There's something should go off in a person's heart and mind, the conscience. And so, you know, what I'm talking about is a little bit of a gushy, you know, kind of 
woo-woo thing, which is a, a mindset shift. Um, because actually, if you look over the last 50 years, what changed in American business? Most of it wasn't policy. Most of it was mindset shifting and norms changing. And so, you know, in, in 1982, it became legal, for instance, to make a share buyback. Right. Um, because up until that point, it was considered totally unethical. Worker first, Abigail, in some ways, it is a holistic idea. In many ways, it is about just fair treatment. But it really, and I want to take us back to, to something we talked about a little bit before we uh, went to some news. I mean, this is ultimately about sharing compensation and, and really sort of driving that deeper into the company. This is doable. Right. It is totally doable. I mean, you know, we're, Disney is a totally different place this year than it was last year. But but let's look at it from last year. It made $11.5 billion of share buybacks in 2019 and left people still not consistently able to put food on the table. It was completely possible without affecting their profitability. It would have affected the enormity of profits, but it wouldn't have caused them to be unprofitable to ensure that some of those profits were shared with the people who caused them to happen. You know, if the janitor is not making that sidewalk absolutely clean, then Disney isn't Disney. They give, they bring value to the company, no matter how lonely you might think their job is. So why aren't more companies doing this? Is it just the, the, yeah, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Uh, I think that the shareholder primacy story was a story that took hold so quickly and so absolutely in, in part because I think governments um, in the eighties and the nineties, both Clinton and Reagan absorbed this idea that the, that the shareholder primacy story and the kind of let business first um, way of understanding politics and life um, was just absorbed with mm. such unanimity that I think we forgot to question and remember that things did not always work that way. I mean, yeah. I think it's sometimes it happens that you forget that you're thinking of an orthodoxy when you think of things mm. and not totally looking at all the options. So I think it's a lack of imagination, frankly. Well, and, and Abigail, you know, one might argue, I might argue, in fact, that candidly, just doing it by the numbers is it's easier. You know what I mean? It's like if you've got this goal of like the only way you're measured is by your share price or your bottom line, your EPS, that's easy mm -hmm. to measure. Someone's yeah. health and well-being and happiness, that's harder to do in, in many ways. It's harder. Right, right, right. And isn't it interesting? I mean, because isn't Disney in the business of someone's happiness? Right. Um, so <laughs> it should be something they're, they're, they're paying attention to. And the irony of, of what's going on with workers there is really hitting, I think, their customer base really hard. That is not a brand that will live forever unless they really pay attention to what is eroding there when they treat the workers the way they do. So, you know, Milton Friedman came in 1970. He said what he said. People just uh, uh, absorbed it almost without question. And one of the things he was saying in, in, that, in that piece and in, in all that he taught us afterwards was, if it can't be measured, it doesn't matter. Mm. And that was, I think, maybe one of the most fatal blows to the 
the corporate imagination. Yeah. Because and, and, and Disney's such a great company to look at that for, because everything that makes them profitable is an ineffable thing of the imagination. Yeah. It can't be measured by nature. And so you cannot wrestle everything into a, a, a mathematical equation. And, and that's where business has to make sense of things. And that was Abigail Disney, documentary filmmaker at Fork Films. She's been a loud voice, a patriotic millionaire. She's got some takes, Carol, that's for sure. She certainly does. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg.